0: Blog Talk Radio. How would you like to get the inside scoop on the secret sauce of show business? Imagine being ahead of the pack when it comes to knowing how to land that part you crave in that film, play, or TV program. Listen to the Inside Acting Radio Show hosted by William Powell, the king of DC media, at BlogTalkRadio.com. Search Inside Acting. Good evening, dear listeners. This evening, I welcome Scream Queen writer and actor extraordinaire, Genevieve Rossi. Genevieve has appeared or will appear in nearly 100 films, including Attack of the Killer, Chickens, Brain People, 100 Acres of Hell, Jack Slasher, Blood Mania, Take Two, The Audition, And cool as hell. Her TV work includes Fashion Trashing and HBO's The Deuce. She's played everything from a pregnant hippie, a fortune teller, a zombie, and a seance leader. She also writes for The Digital Dead and she is available for personal appearances at comic cons like GapCon and. Bethel, Pennsylvania, and the Jersey Shore Comic Book Show. Now, if you want to book her for your next project, you can contact Matt Chasen at info at or you can follow her career if you go out there to www.genovivarossi.com. That's G-E-N-O-V-E-V-A. Rossi with two S's or also Genoveva Rossi. The number one on Twitter. Yes indeed. Now I see that uh Jenna, uh Geneviva is uh ready to come on the air. Uh let me see if I can go ahead and uh make her live. Yes indeed. Hello. Good evening. Hey Good evening. how you doing? Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year, and I hope you had a wonderful Christmas Hanukkah and
0: Kwanzaa. <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow. Yes indeed. Very restful, very restful, and I'm ready to, to uh, barnstorm the year 2020. So I see that you're directing Attack of the Killer Chickens. So uh, and so, how do you think acting has prepared you for directing?
1: That's a really good question. I'm going to say first off, um, Attack of the Killer Chickens started out as a short film. Now I'm turning into a feature, which I'm going to call Attack of the Killer Chickens, the movie which were very far along in, in production. So uh, it's two films in a sense, a short film and a feature. That's a good question. Yeah. I, think, I think acting makes you a better director and directing makes you a better actor because it's wonderful to spend time in front of the camera and also behind to be a well-rounded uh, performer, director. Um, being an over probably close to 100 projects before directing prepared me because I guess I saw some of the challenges that directors that I've worked with have faced. And maybe I learned from some of their uh, mistakes or I maybe had my thoughts about how I would do things and it was nice to be able to kind of implement my theories, but then also bring in that whole actor's mind And another wonderful thing about going from acting to directing is that I had so many wonderful people I've worked with on projects and I was able to cast them in my short film and now my feature uh, because I knew from working with them that they were extremely promising and terrific actors and cinematographers and crew members so it was wonderful to bring all those people together after working with them so many times as an actor knowing that i would love to work with them as a director as well so it was really interesting because you know um not all directors have acting experience and not all actors have directing experience but i think having both really makes you a more well-rounded person
0: yeah i agree with that um you know, like you say, if you work with people before, you know exactly what they can do. you Know exactly what they can do, and then also, I like you say, it helps you as far as, as coaching them and getting those performances. So, what what would you say are some of your directing mentors?
1: That's a good question. I would say some of the people that really inspired me uh, with my directing were people like John Waters is probably my biggest inspiration. Um, because of you know, especially his work in like the seventies where he really pushed the bar and really challenged us with these far out characters like Mink Stall and Divine and these really insane scenes and these really insane characters, you know, John Waters' characters are very much like these kind of over-the-top, hilarious, insane, bizarre kind of world that he, cre- he dared to create in the 70s. I, I honestly had one of my uh, friends, Bradley Cranzo, watch, um, he's a director, watch some John Waters films, and it's like even today's world, it's shocking to see what John Waters was up to in the 70s. <laughs> you know, um, ooh, and I ooh, like ooh. that because I like people to kind of push it a little bit and you know who else I like that kind of um, inspired me a little bit was Ed Wood um, because it's just like here he went and he created this terrible movie Plan 9 from Outer Space but it's like such a terrible movie that it's like really endearing to so many people (laughs) and it has it's like you know this uh, immortality to it (laughs) that everyone loves it fantastic yeah, yeah, Genevieve, but That that's
0: the, the beautiful thing about film is you never know who it's going to – it's like it's out there forever. You never know mm-hmm. who it's going to connect with.
1: Exactly. You know? And they say a lot of people really love, um, you know, wacky, crazy films. It, you know, life can be very difficult, and sometimes it's nice to just kind of watch a movie that's really zany, crazy, and hilarious and just kind of unwind. And Attack of the Killer Chickens, the movie, uh, we kind of, I'm very inspired by John Waters. I'm very inspired by Ed Wood. I'm very inspired from like sci-fi movies from like the 50s and 60s and beyond. You know, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman really inspired me. Uh, Kingdom of the Spiders with William Shatner inspired me. These movies that are kind of funny, they're cult movies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I like those kinds of movies, and those are kind of the kind of the movies that were one of the things—the things that maybe inspired me a little bit to get into acting when I was younger. Because it's amazing—it's like if you want to remember remembered as an actor or as a director, you need to be either really good or really bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, wow. but, but so bad
1: it's good. But so bad it's good, you know. Right.
0: There you go. There you go. So now, on this film, you're also the producer. So, talk about some of the challenges of being a producer.
1: Well, I'm going to say I'm one of the producers, but I am not the executive producer. The executive producer is a wonderful gentleman named Dave uh, Stein. And he has um, produced a number of films through Acid Bath Productions and worked with James Balsamo on a number of films. He was the Lich in the Lich movie that I'm also in, directed by James Balsamo. So he's our executive producer. I'm also a producer because we formed a production company called Cluck Cluck Productions, Dave and I. Mm. And um, But I'm like a producer-producer. I'm also maybe a little bit of a line producer because I handle some of the daily operations. And he probably puts on, you know, we both wear a lot of different hats at the production company. Um, I'm the director of the film. I'm also the writer of the film. I'm also one of the stars of the film. And um, I also provide transportation and catering. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. <laughs> 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 <I> didn't. <laughs> but, uh, it just, no, I just directed it, wrote it, and I acted in it. And I'm also a producer, but not like the main producer. I want to be clear about that. I, you know, uh, credit where credit is due. And Dave is, in addition to being the executive producer, is also one of our actors in the film and also a creative collaborator on the film. So everybody wears a lot of different hats. And some of the stars of our film, and um, Dave uh, S- Steen um, and then um, me. Edward X. Young, who I've been in, I think, about 25 films with. He's a grindhouse actor. Um, also, we have Rocco George, who made our puppets, is our, pup- our lead puppeteer and also an actor. K.J. Hopkins, who also does a lot of puppeteering and acting in the film as well. Um, David Naughton from American Oral from London pops up. Lloyd Kaufman a Trauma. Uh, John Dugan from Texas Chainsaw Massacre pops up and a whole bunch of other people that I respect and love working with in the genre. So it's it's a phenomenal film um, be, for me because it was a wonderful experience working with some of my favorite people. You know, if, you, if you're in the movie with me um, and I asked you to be and I did not have auditions for the film because I personally – don't feel like I need to have auditions because I've been in over 103 movies, and if I know what you can do, if I've worked with you in either a movie or in one of the theater productions I've been in, and I know what you can do, and I think you fit my film, you don't have to audition. I already know that you can do it because I've seen you. Exactly. 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 And I think that's a better way to cast people than an audition because sometimes some people do very well in auditions and are not as good in the film. Some people are stellar actors but just don't audition well. But it's wonderful to see what it's like to see somebody act in a real film with you or act up on stage with you and see them really do the work. And that's when you can really make the judgment, I feel, as, as to whether true. or not they are that's a good true. actor. Exactly, exactly. Another person I put in the movie, movie is Suhana Adrianson. Uh, she was in a movie uh-huh. called Bloodshed uh, years ago, and I cast her based on her work in the Bloodshed because I really liked that, uh, that character she had portrayed and that made me realize that um, she was a good fit for Attack of the Killer Chickens, the movie. So, you know, all those kinds of things come into play. And then just knowing people and knowing what they're capable of and things like that. And it is kind of a weird movie. So I needed people um, that were willing to maybe go a little further, a little zanier, be a little more bizarre. People that weren't afraid, you know, people that don't take their acting seriously. Like, they maybe they take their craft seriously, but, you know, the people that are not afraid to have fun acting. You know, it, it's not Shakespeare. It's It does require – comedic acting probably requires a better actor than even dramatic acting, um, but it requires someone that doesn't take themselves too seriously either <laughs> and knows how to
0: have some well, fun. Well, <laughs> True. Have fun and just follow the, those situations and the, the comedy will come out. It will it'll definitely come out. So now you're also working on, uh, was it, Sanctum Deep? And there's another one, Everybody's Going to Die at 10 Acres High. Talk about those.
1: Um, Sanctum Deep is something we worked on a while ago, and I think they're currently looking um, for distribution and things like that. Um, um, the other film I'm not allowed to say anything about it right now, so I'm not going to touch upon that. I am going to say a film that's coming out for me next week. We're having the premiere as Peter Jackalone's The Cannibal Killer. The real story of Jeffrey Dahmer is, is going to have its New York City premiere on Wednesday. And I'm in that with Randy Jones of The Village People. Which one was yeah. the, in the Village People? He was the cowboy. <laughs> yes. yes Well that's, it's funny to work with. Sometimes <laughs> it's funny the people that you end up working with Because who would I I would never think when I listen to YMCA That I would be working with You know one of the village people But life in entertainment Takes you on a wacky road And you just don't know where you're going to end up <laughs> So you yeah, would how's you get cast in that one? Oh yeah 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 yeah, It's already finished. We're having the release on Wednesday, The Cannibal Killer, the real story of Jeffrey Dahmer. It's kind of like a true crime horror film, very much based on the story of Jeffrey Dahmer. And that's going to be coming out on Wednesday. Um, I was excited to be in that. Um, a while ago, I played a zombie in Army of the Dead, Zack Schneider's newest film for Netflix. So that's something I'm excited about. He was a very cool dude to work with. I um, wish Zack Schneider the best with this film. Um, He had a great cast and crew. Everybody was super duper awesome. So that was something I was working on. Another big one that's going to be coming out soon, um, I think, is Mr. Blue Shirt Inspiration, um, directed by Mike Stewart. I'm in that with with Robert Mukes from House of a Thousand Corpses, Michael Berryman. Jan Birch, Bill Overs Jr. and a whole bunch of other amazing people, too numerous to even name, um, an amazing cast, like one of the, uh, the best casts that's been assembled in an indie film in a while, you know, really, really, really cool. Um, excited for the director and it's his directoral debut. Um, and what else? I was in Shakespeare's Shitstorm. I had a, a cameo in that, Lloyd Coffin's newest film. And uh, it's, the Dead End, I worked on a while ago. That was a cool zombie film. And, uh, oh, a nice, nice one that came out on DVD that people can go out and buy that I've been getting a lot of really good feedback on is Bigfoot. It's an anthology Ooh. of Bigfoot stories. But it's not porn. Nice. It's not Bigfoot. It's not Bigfoot porn. It's just, like a, it's just a movie about Bigfoot. I'm not am <laughs> Because we we filmed the movie and then we realized that bigfoot porn is like a thing, <laughs> but that was not the oh no the movie. Yeah. Oh no. I guess every every kind of porn is a thing. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew people oh, started fantasizing about you bigfoot?
0: Know, that's that's scary. So now you know the ancient Stoics have a saying: uh, "Memento mori," that is, remember you will die. Do you think people like horror films so they can deal with death?
1: That's a good question. I guess maybe horror films prepare us for death. That, well, that was morbid. <laughs> I got yeah. that maybe they do in a sense. I know horror films have kind of prepared me for certain moments of my life. I hate to say, but it's true. You know, I haven't okay. had the easiest life in the whole world, to be honest. I don't usually talk about it, but, you know, I have definitely had some horrific moments in my life, Um, some things that not everybody would possibly come back from. I do have a little bit of post-traumatic stress, to be honest. And um, maybe being in horror movies kind of has helped me deal with that a little bit, because you have to face your fears. And that's what horror movies teach you. You have to face your fears. We all have fears, but fears can't hold you back. You have to push through them. And also horror films kind of prepare you for the worst-case scenario. How many of us are prepared now if there's a zombie attack? We're so much more prepared now than (laughs) we were before. (laughs) So if that happens, you know, I think we're definitely, you know, at a better point now than we would have been, you know, before the zombie horror genre has come together. But, you know, the gore, um, you know, death is an unfortunate part of life. And there are some unpleasant moments in life, and I guess horror makes us um, look at that, makes us see that. You know, the the most uh, frightening things in our lives are sometimes nonfiction, not fiction. You know, the, the thing, you know, nonfiction is more frightening than fiction. And sometimes the most horrible pe- things in life are not monsters. They're people. People sometimes are monsters. Like Jeffrey Dahmer was a monster. Ted Bundy was yeah. a monster. They're more horrific than, you know, uh, Dracula or Frankenstein. You know, uh, at least Dracula at least Dracula was and Frankenstein were looking for love. <laughs> they, had, they had more of a conscience. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. They had more of a conscience Ooh. than some of the serial killers and people. Right? It's true. It's true. That's true. We could kind of understand Absolutely. them a little bit. We could understand their motivations a little bit more. Sometimes you can't understand people's motivations for what they do. Some things really do come out of left field with what human beings are capable of. You know, people say, you know, hey, having a pet dog, dogs are unpredictable. You know, people are unpredictable, too. <laughs> doesn't stop us from getting married or uh, having people in our lives. It's just, unfortunately, I guess life is just unpredictable. So horror kind of prepares you for that. But I also think horror is the opposite end of sex. You know, they used to call the orgasm the little death in the old days. Mm. And um, there's an eroticism to horror films, too. Um, Like almost every horror actor actress is a little bit of a sex symbol. Um, there's this fetishism to horror, there's this eroticism of horror Um, so there's like this sex death kind of connection I think in the horror genre as well there's a lot of different Mm. things going on with horror but I I definitely see that eroticism is definitely definitely uh, uh, there even if you don't intend to put in the movie people look at it, even if you see like an old Barber Steele movie there's still this element of eroticism that they maybe didn't even intend to put in the film, but people take away from it. So. Hmm.
0: Yeah. The yeah. Things. There's definitely that element. Absolutely. 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 And sometimes
1: so. it's very intentional too. You know that that we want to make these horror movies erotic. <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, that's like that kind of opposite side. I also think of horror as kind of being the opposite dark end of fantasy. Because uh, Dracula, Frankenstein, these are fantastic characters. Um, You know, these mythical creatures that maybe exist in the horror genre. You know, um, kind of teaching us that there's something beyond what we think of as reality. You know, like ghosts, maybe that there's something beyond um, life beyond death kind of makes you kind of question existence I think horror makes you think (laughs) yeah
0: yes absolutely absolutely definitely make you think so have any of your films given you nightmares
1: have any of my films given me nightmares um I don't think so I don't think so um hmm, that's a good question have I ever been in a film that gave me a nightmare I don't think so. No, no. I do think Never like years ago. Re- I can't think of any film that ever gave me a nightmare, but sometimes life kind of imitates art a little bit. Things are a little weird. Like there was one film we shot, um, Hunters, and it was in an old house that had been a murder house. And that was kind of creepy to be in a house where a man had, you know, killed his whole family years before and it was deserted and we felt a little creepy there, and we said to ourselves, you know, we're not gonna leave anybody alone in the house because we've seen enough horror movies to know you got to stick together. Being <laughs> anyone alone in a house at night is always a bad idea in a horror movie. You know, you've done a lot of things actually about survival in horror movies because you know, splitting up is never a good idea. They always die. Um, having sex when someone's trying to kill you. Is really distracting and is only going to lead to you getting killed. So don't do it. (laughs) You know, uh, don't go into the basement. Don't look down in the basement. (laughs) Why is that a good idea? I just heard a noise. Let me go check it out. You guys stay here. When does that ever make sense? Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Never. Never separate from the
1: group. Never go off on your own. It's never a good idea. (laughs) <laughs> yeah wow so. you learn a lot about it. but um, I can't think of any horror yeah. movies that really spooked me but just filming that one film in a murder house I think did spook us a little bit and we did maybe feel a little residual energy from that maybe afterwards but usually when you're filming a horror movie the mood is lighter than you would think <laughs> and we because when you're actually shooting these scenes We're acting, and when you're putting together the special effects, it may look very real in the film, but it doesn't when we're shooting it. It's all just like a trick of the camera and the special effects and the editing. And we don't see how good it comes out until later. So a lot of times it's not very frightening when you're actually in the moment. Sometimes it's even funny. Um, I remember (laughs) when I did Herschel Gordon-Lewis's blood mania i had a scene where we had all this blood pumping all over and i had to do my scene in one take because we couldn't duplicate it because of all the special effects sometimes people think that horror actors are terrible actors and that other actors are better but i would say it's the reverse because a lot of times in horror the special effects are expensive and they can't always be duplicated So sometimes you have one take to get your scene right, and there's dialogue and there's action and there's special effects. And however you do it is how it's going to end up in the movie unless they cut the scene. It puts a lot of pressure on the actor, whereas if you were doing drama, we could just do 50 takes if we need to until you get it right. Right. So, and people don't there think you about go. People There you go. About right. Yeah. So,
0: uh, yeah. has your experience as a as a tarot card reader informed your work?
1: Uh, definitely, definitely. You know, I have been tarot card reading for a long time. I do that professionally in addition to being uh, an actress. And um, I travel all over doing that as well. Halloween, busy time. And I have played a witch... A gypsy fortune teller or a fortune teller, a tarot card reader um, in many films, maybe 15 or so, that is my most common typecast because so often a fortune teller character pops up to kind of foreshadow what's to come and to kind of inform the viewer and maybe the main characters of the film. And, and you know, and that's something that we see even outside of the horror genre, because so many of us do go to fortune tellers. You know, our uh, our president, um, I know, um, sees a fortune teller every year for New Year's and pays her a huge sum of money. I know some people that actually, um, through my work, actually know that psychic that meets with Donald Trump at the beginning of every year. And um, not that I want to get political, but I'm saying, you know, Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan had an astrologer that uh, informed them on their uh, decisions. And I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if Obama did, although it hasn't been publicized. You know, I know Queen Elizabeth did, I know Napoleon did. I, I, even Hitler, terrible person that he was, of course, um, he um, was very interested in the cults and mysticism and the esoteric world. That might have been even why he targeted the gypsies in the Holocaust. You know, maybe he was afraid of their mm. magic, you know, because they were a group that right, he was really exactly. trying to eradicate for no apparent, for no real reason. Um, it's just, you know, there was really no reason for the whole Holocaust, in fact. Anyway, he was just a crazy person, really. But, uh, yeah, so – but it does seem like a lot of world leaders, good leaders, bad leaders throughout history – In every country, have really been informed by psychics and fortune tellers and stuff, and a lot of really important decisions in the world. So it's a really big thing. Um, You know, fortune telling has been around for 7,000 years and predates all the major world religions. It was studied by mathematicians originally. You know, some people believe it. Yeah, some people believe that the tarot contains the secrets to the universe. Um, you know, even in Kabbalah, they use tarot. In voodoo, they use tarot. And Wicca, they use tarot. A lot of Catholics use tarot. It, you know, crosses into a lot of different religions, probably more than that. You know, it's, it's really interesting how it's really been taken on by so many people. And nobody knows who started it. It might have been the gypsies, it might have been um, ancient Italy. Nobody knows where yeah. it began for a fact. It's mysterious. But you know, it, so it, it informs my life and it also informs my work and it pops up in a lot of different things that I do, and you know and it's always interesting for me to play a tarot card reader because you get a very authentic performance because it's something I understand really thoroughly and that's why I get cast in those kinds exactly. of roles. Exactly, you, you want an authentic performance, you know?
0: Right. So I mean, we're coming up on uh, about 50 seconds, so I could, I could, I could talk all night. Um I just want to do some uh, rapid uh fire questions. Um, okay. Favorite Okay, favorite dish. Favorite food? Like the, risotto. Yeah. <laughs> favorite favorite book.
1: Oh, uh picture of Dorian Gray.
0: Nice, nice. Um
1: personal motto. Mm. God only helps those that help themselves.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, Genevieve, I've enjoyed this conversation, and I thank you for the
1: time tonight. And thank you. Those are three really interesting questions. I hope I came up with good answers. They kind of you know, surprised me. They were different. Thank you.
0: Excellent. Okay, have a great night.
1: Have a great night and happy 2020.
0: Absolutely. Good night. All right, folks. Remember to do something for your career every single day. And break a leg. Good night.
1: Under the dark, you pacify me. Hold my breath. Take
0: me down. I won't fight.